Well, hello and welcome to Epic. If you weren't here earlier, my name is Tim Jones. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and we are so glad that you are here for part three of our series, Worldview. And uh, Trent and I, we are planning, and we've got a special treat for you today. And uh, it is going to be my privilege uh, to introduce to you our guest speaker here in a second. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, I just want to say, you know, as we've been checking out this Worldview series um, and looking at our different perceptions, our different views and vantage point of how the world works, um, it's really just been evident in my life of how much God has been a part of that. Uh, besides my mom, I can't think of a more important person who has helped me to see who God is, come to faith in Christ, and see Christ's vantage point or his viewpoint of the world than my dad. And so uh, today he's going to come up here in a second uh, as our guest speaker. Uh, but before I do that, uh, for almost 45 years, uh, I have had the vantage point of watching my dad love people so well. Like not only has he used words, but his actions match his words and he is the real deal. Like he loves people. I mean, you don't understand that. Like he really loves people. You're gonna get a sense of that from stage. And then he has loved me so well and my siblings as well. And it's meant the world to me all my life. And he has prayed for you. Uh, for these 13 years, as we've started Epic Church, he's seen the journey and everything, and he's been along the journey from uh, the state of Michigan. Uh, my dad has been serving people and serving the Lord for 52 years, okay? 52 years, yeah. And so my mother passed away last year, and he is still going at his church. So he has been a youth pastor at several different places. He's been on staff at Campus Crusade for Christ, or now called Crew, for uh, 18 years. And then he has been a senior pastor for just over 25 years, and he loves it. You can't get him to retire, okay? Um, and so you'll see that today, that he is still at it. The only thing that we don't see eye to eye on is our height, okay? Um, you're going to see when I bring him up on stage, like he's 5'5", five five, yes, and my mom was 5'2". They always said that I was switched at birth, okay? And, uh, and they still remind me of that today, or at least my father does. So, um, But it is my great privilege to introduce to you for the first time in Epic's history to have my dad, my hero, to the stage to give the message today. So would you welcome my dad, Rex Jones. So. I kind of like his second introduction better than the first. But he said the second group's more, well, he said some nice things about you compared to the first group. They were a little harder to, you know, churn up. No, no, just kidding. No, we have followed you from just about the beginning, and uh, every year we'd come down to Florida to watch, see what's happening, and it's just been amazing adventure for us to see too and uh, but I have to go back a little ways and tell you that uh, I uh, saw Tim at Liberty meet his future wife that would be Sarah is she in here today good I can talk about her again <laughs> she's wonderful did you know that you know I, I when I met her I said Tim 
why don't you date her? I didn't have to twist his arm. And then their four wonderful grandchildren and their oldest daughter, Audrey, has her 16th birthday today. 13th, I mean. You'd think she was 16, she's so mature. But um, uh, we've already had a partial celebration. We're gonna go for the rest of it this afternoon. And, uh, but what a family and uh, what a marriage in the Lord. Boy, I've just been so impressed uh, all these years. Um, and when I was asked to do this, I thought, what? When I go to Florida, I like to wear my shorts, <laughs> hit the beach, rumble and tumble with the grandchildren. Are they in here today? Three, three of the four, okay. And, uh, and then, uh, but they said, no, 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 you can do it. You can do it, Dad. You can do it. I said, no, I can't do it. But anyhow, I'm here. I'm going to do it, okay? Um, it's a subject that really is near and dear to my heart, my worldview or my perspective. Everybody used to introduce me as a guy uh, who uh, lives the glass half full. Well, that doesn't sound too biblical, does it? But I like this, that my worldview is formed and focused on Jesus Christ. He is, as Paul said in Colossians, he's my all in all. Do you know what that means? He's everything to me. So why is a worldview so important. Well, Proverbs 23, 7 says, there it is, as a man thinks within himself, so he is. And I thought, well, wow. That means the processes that go on in your mind, your thinking processes, what you meditate on, what you think about, will actually come out in your behavior and in your actions. And... Um, uh, and the mental processes are the central control, uh, the basis of our being. Therefore, the way we choose to use our minds, the powers directly, uh, will affect the quality of our lives. And, you know, the mind is a powerful tool that God has given us. And uh, he wants us to use it. Somebody once said that we only use, like, four-tenths of one percent of our brain. Mine may be a little less. But I did pass on to Tim good genes through my wife. <laughs> and so he's, he's just like her, just smart as could be and spiritual. Um, but another verse that really struck me that kind of con converges with this is found in Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. And it goes like this, the steadfast mind thou will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in thee. Trust in the Lord forever. For in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. We have an everlasting, we sang about that today. Jesus is, and even in the Old Testament verse, the rock is capitalized and it kind of pre-pictures the rock that Jesus is in our life, the uh, 
a foundation that is solid, strong, and secure. And that's what we have. Uh, the New Living Translation says it this way. You will keep in perfect peace. Who wants perfect peace? I need that perfect peace in this chaotic world we live in. All who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is our eternal rock. Do you need a rock today? Do you need a firm foundation? It's found in Jesus. Embrace him, accept him, and he'll be your rock. Our world viewpoint is an important aspect of our lives. Having the mindset of Christ, as Philippians 2.5 says, the worldview is a deliberate choice you make, you will make. And it makes a world of difference in our lives as Christ followers. So let's look at a little definition of worldview defined. It's a set of beliefs about the fundamental aspects of reality, a system. It's how you perceive, how you look out at things, a pattern, a mindset, a perspective of a viewpoint. I thought Tim wrote this, but I, I'm not sure he did. It might have been Trent. We all have a viewpoint. It's, it's the lens we view the world through. It forms our decision, shapes our habits, impacts our relationship, and touches every part of our lives. So indeed, it certainly is important. Amen? Amen. Um, and also, in my second point here, it says it aids in answering the main questions of life, like, who are we? Where did we come from? Why are we here? And where are we headed? It answers all of those questions specifically. Not too many viewpoints can answer those. And most of them end up in futility and weird things. So I'm going with Jesus. A non-Christian viewpoint versus Christian. Contemporary non-Christian viewpoints include things like anti-Trinitarianism, theism, humanism, existentialism, naturalism, and pluralism. And you, you add all those isms up, and they don't add up to much, do they? I took philosophy in college, and when I got through with it, I didn't know where it took me. Because most of the writers and authors, and as we look at them today as profound men, ended up killing themselves. Now, anything that leads you to self-destruction is absolutely wrong. Amen? Okay. But Jesus leads you to life. And we have that in John 10.10. I've come that you might have life. You might have it. and might have it more abundantly. Well... One of the uh, important passages that helps us uh, contrast the worldview is found in Romans 12, 2. And uh, the purpose of this verse is to allow Jesus to transform our lives so that we will not conform to the world's viewpoint. And uh, it will make the difference between a mindset of sin... Ephesians 4, 17 says, walking in the futility of their minds and the mindset of the Holy Spirit. The Christian has God at the center of their being. Listen to 
verse two of chapter 12, Romans, in the New Living Translation. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, renewing the mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Do you want to go for the good, pleasing, and perfect? Go for the mind of Christ, and he'll do it. He'll saturate you. Well, Christ's view of the Trinity. How did he view uh, the Son, view the Father, and the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, he said, I and the Father are one. John ten thirty. The Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father. There's no competition between the Godhead. In John 5.20, it goes like this. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. God the Father is the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 3.17. He's the father of the believers in Christ. Galatians 3.26. Jesus is express image, exact representation, perfect manifestation of the very person of God himself. Colossians 1.15-23. And Jesus was obedient to his father and promoted the Holy Spirit. Remember he told his disciples, wait in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit will ascend on you. Well, what's my personal worldview? I've already given a few clues. It's God. God is center in my worldview. And because he's the one that's the supreme ruler of the world. He's the creator of the universe. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, present everywhere at once, unchanging, Immutable. And I, I, there's a great old hymn called This Is My Father's World. And, and when you read through it and, and sing it, it just kind of penetrates your heart and your mind and gives perspective to the whole world around us. This is my Father's world. And God is love. Not just a God of love. He is love. John 4, 8 says, God is love. Love comes from God. And we need to abide in this love, 1 John 4, 7 through 21. And then uh, there's a God, and I want to know him. And there's a worldview. He is my worldview because he's my world ambition. Listen to this from Philippians 3, 8 through 10. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I've discarded everything else, counting it as garbage, so that I might gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want, you, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing his death. 
God revealed himself through his son. If you've, got, if you've seen the son, he said, see me, you've seen the father. God has taken the initiative and offered everlasting life. God through his son desires a personal relationship with you. John 1.12 says it like this, for as many as received him, to them he gave the right and privilege to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. Children of God, that's what you can become in Christ. Okay, well, so that's my worldview. God-centered. And God the Father is good and has many good qualities of love and mercy. And we see that in this James text that I'm going to quote for you now. Uh, when my wife and I first started dating, we had projects of memorizing passages out of Scripture. And this is the very first one we worked on. So as I read this, I can remember back at Moody Bible Institute. Anybody ever heard of that school? I had one guy jump up and down, yell, holler, and scream. Well, I, I, I do the same because that's where I met my honey <laughs> of 52 years, okay? But we used to sit in our special place and just quote the scriptures back and forth to each other. Did that help our worldview? It certainly did, especially when we would quote James 1, 6 through 8, or 4 through 8. When all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brother, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Realize they have come into your life to produce in you that quality of endurance. But let that process continue until it has fully developed. And then you will find that you've become men and women of mature character with the right sort of independence. And if in the process any of you does not know how to meet any particular problem, you need only to ask of God, who gives generously without making you feel foolish or guilty. But you must ask in sincere faith without any secret doubts as to whether you really want God's help or not. For the man who asks God with secret or hidden reservation is like the wave of the sea, push forward one moment and toss back the next. That sort of man cannot hope to receive anything from the Lord. But if you follow the formula and you ask of God, God will deliver it to you and the necessary wisdom will be given you. Let me just give a great amen to that. After all these years, after all the things we've been through, you know, children, uh, I mean children, <laughs> grandchildren, now what a blessing. If I'd have known the grandchildren were going to be 10 times better than my children, <laughs> I might have prayed to them in and said, could you send the grandchildren in first? Three of them are here. They're fantastic. Now, two of them have beat me in chess already, but I got even. Never mind, I didn't no. <laughs> Excuse me a second. So the attitude that we should have, anything comes our way, is it says, consider it all joy. Now, I don't know if you do that. A couple of guys run me off the road occasionally. 
I say, thanks for the joyful trip. <laughs> Don't say any words, no gestures. Just say, bless that driver. Bless him real good, Lord. Let him know that a clergy was driving. Get, uh, bless him. Anyhow, so, uh, you know, we consider it all joy. And what's the joy about? The, the trial or the, or, or the testing? No. The joy is knowing that God's in control and will make you a better person. And did you catch that phrase? A mature person with the right kind of independence. That's what my parents prayed for. Lord, grow them up. Make them mature. It's still working. <laughs> and they're still praying. Yeah, okay. But anyhow, so that's what it's all about. Be joyful. And that joy there means unmingled by any regret. Don't regret it. Just toss it to the Lord. And this is how you do it. Uh, first of all, testings are given to strengthen our faith. That's the purpose of them. To increase your knowledge and experience. The text starts by saying, knowing this. So knowledge comes. To develop divine character such as patience, endurance. Anybody need patience in this audience? I see a few hands. I see a few husbands raising hands. It's not a woman. It's a character quality, patience. I thought it was a girl. Never mind, no. Uh, patience uh, to develop full maturity and spiritual growth. And the text says, lacking nothing. That's how concerned God is for you. He doesn't want you to lack anything, okay? You got it? That's, what he's, that's his ambition towards you. Now, um, God's provision and divine wisdom first Turn to God. Turn to him and say, ask of him. I've got a whole page of asking verses. There's so many ask verses in scripture. I've often wondered if when I stand before him, if he would say to me, you didn't ask enough. So I don't want to be guilty of that. I ask for everything. Give it to me, Lord. <laughs> yeah, include money. No, just kidding. Forget the money. No material things. Well, maybe some. But anyhow, ask, and it will be given to you. You have not because you? You got it. Okay. And then God gives wisdom generously without any reproach, without making you feel guilty about it. Because he's, he's, just, he's just waiting to deliver to you and to me. And uh, God's prerequisites. There's only two. I stretched it into three, but it's really only two. Ask in sincere faith without any secret doubts. I've noticed there's a lot of people that want God's help, but they really don't want to fully give in to God. They're afraid of what he might do to them. But it's, it's so important to ask in sincere faith. Um, remember Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You must... Believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So seek him diligently, ask of him, and he will deliver in sincere faith. And then ask really wanting God's health. And you believe him, and uh, he will deliver it to you. Well, what's the bottom line? Always have to have a bottom line. 
First, realize that nothing in your life is an accident. Nothing is an accident. I don't believe in accidents. I don't believe in luck. I don't believe, I don't believe in this stuff. I believe God is so in control. He's the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent cause of all. And he is great. Romans 8.28 For God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So nothing is an accident. And then all tests have eternal consequences and rewards. I mean, the reward's coming, but you even get it here. And so it, it will pay off. And then the last point is God's our Father oversees all of our experiences. If you don't think he's aware of what's going on in one area, oh, believe me. He not only has his hand on it, he's got his eye on you. <laughs> okay. Uh, since my wife is, is now in heaven, I've got several eyes that are on me. And I, every once in a while, I think I hear her voice. Rexford? Yes, dear. <laughs> but they're, they're watching. Well, remember, in, uh, I think it's Hebrews 12, the great crowd of witnesses. And they're all cheering us on because they want us to be victorious and successful in trusting and being obedient to the Lord. Amen? Amen? Okay. Well, on my outline, I have a whole list of passages that back up everything I just said from this passage. I'm just going to mention and partially quote for you. First one, God began a good work in you and will complete it, Philippians 1.6. In other words, he started a good work in you and he's going to complete it. So you're in process. He's going to make you what he intends for you to be. And then... uh, uh, he is the blessed controller of our lives. He's the cause, Romans 8, 28. And I love Genesis 50, verse 20. After <clears throat> all the brothers of Joseph went to Egypt and his brother was a ruler, his brother could have taken some revenge. But he said, you know, you, you brothers of mine, you threw me in a pit, you did all these evil things to me. Well, what you meant for evil, God meant for good and turned it for good. That's how big and involved God is in your life. Okay? You got that? It's scriptural. Okay. Here we go. Uh, God knows everything that comes out of our lives. He's designed a purpose and a plan. He cares what happens to you. How do you know that, Rexford? Well, 1 Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourself under the almighty hand of God, and in due seasons he will exalt you, casting all your cares upon him. And here's the key. Because he cares what happens to you. Does that sound like a caring God? And is he involved in your life? Well, he wants to be. And all you have to do is yield it to him. And then he cares about every detail. He knows how to give good gifts to his kids. In Matthew 7, it says, um, uh, he says, you fathers being evil think you know how to do, give good gifts to your kids. He said, well, I'm, I'm a perfect heavenly father. I give great gifts. And we can attest to that. Amen. <laughs> and then um, 
Jesus is constantly interceding from the throne. The Holy Spirit even prays on our behalf at times. God the Father responds. He forgives all of our iniquities. He heals our diseases. Uh, The Trinity works together for our good and our development. Do you believe that today? And boy, in these days, we need all the help we can get. Amen? And my church, they always say, I'm praying for you, Pastor. I say, good, keep it up. Keep it up. I need all the prayer I can get. And God honors their prayers. I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for the Lord and the power that he gives to me. Well, you can come to him if you never have met him in a personal way. You just open the door of your life, receive him as personal savior. Say, well, how do you know that's true? Well, Revelation 3.20 says, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him. It's truth. And it's that simple. Open the door, receive him into your life. But if you're just at this point where you, you know, you've tossed out a lot of confusing things, sorry, I do that. But the Holy Spirit will straighten it out in your mind if you just give it to him. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we do praise you for your word. It makes all the difference in the world to us. It's truth. It's light. It builds us up. It gives us courage and strength to carry on. It also tells us how we can love you better every day. So Father, I pray that this church will continue to grow in their love and and deep affection for you. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.